Good morning, Life Center. It's great to see everybody here today. It's good to be in church. It's good to be home. And if you're a first-time guest with us today, thank you for being here. There's many places you could be, but I think you picked the best place to be. So thank you for being here. If you don't mind, I'd like you just to close your eyes. Father, I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful for your presence that's here. I'm thankful for um, the opportunity to gather as a community of believers, Christ followers, people that are hungry for you, God, trying to understand how we can be salt and light, how we can be uh, who you've called us to be with purpose, with, with passion, with mission, with destiny, God, and all of the things that life throws at us, throws at us. So as we as we dive in today, I just ask that you would you would help us to to recognize the challenge, but underlying all that, God, to know that the love that you have for us, we can never outrun it. We can never lose it. We can never shame it away. We can never push it aside. It's always present, and I pray, God, that we would fall into that and know that you have called us for a purpose, every one of us, to do something uh, amazing and significant for your kingdom. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So today is, is week four of our home series, and, and I don't know, this, these, these last few weeks have been, uh, they've been interesting. Um, they've been challenging. Uh, learning, Pastor Scott talked last week about acceptance, and, and he peeled back the layers of what it looks like to, for how God accepts us, and then we talked about loving like Christ does, which is a tough one, right? And I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again through the course of this, of this message today, coming to Christ is simple. It's easy. He made it so that anyone, everyone can be saved. But when you launch into that journey of being a true Christ follower, it's hard work. And the reason why it's hard work is because it goes against so much of our base nature, right? It's, it's hard. It's hard to love like Christ because it's easier just to get mad at somebody, right? Would you agree? It's, it's hard to accept everybody. It's easier to stay away from people that aren't like you. It's easier. So, so it's hard to do what God's called us to do. So today, we're going to talk about the challenge of being part of a home. How many of you know that if you live in a home, somebody in that home challenges you? <laughs> yeah, right. There's hands going up everywhere. Faces along with the hands. <laughs> Some of the challenging is not the good kind of challenging. Some of the challenging does make us a better person. I would like to think, and I, I know this to be true, if you were to have met me, uh, I'm going to say this right this week because two weeks ago I ruined this. 26 years ago, when my wife and I were married, <laughs> it's my corrective action. I messed that number up last, uh, last time I was speaking. That was bad. So 26 years ago, if you would have met me, I'm a very different man now. And it's because my wife has challenged me. She's helped me grow. She's helped me become a better person. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Part of being a part of a family and a home is about growing, about the challenge to become the better person that you are designed to be. So we're talking about that today. And, and we've been, I believe that this, this, this church does have the passion to be home. I believe we have, uh, it's not hard around here to feel like, like someone likes you. It's not hard around here to be friendly. In fact, if you, how many of you noticed when you came in the foyer today, there were some on-point people with a big smile, ready to love on you, ready to shake your hand. If you like to be hugged, they would hug you. If you don't like to be hugged, they'd probably hug you anyway. Right? How many of you noticed it, right? That's because we have a, uh, come on. 
It made me feel good to get loved on like that. So, so that's what this is about, right? We're part of a community, a home, where people that don't know Christ can find him. You know what? It's hard for people to find Christ sometimes, and I sure don't want to be the person keeping them from doing it, right? We want this house to be a house where any creed, tongue, race, type of person, different type of person, weird person like you and me can come in here and feel at home and feel welcome and find their opportunity to meet Jesus. That's what we're here for. Pastor Scott said this last week. He says it all the time. God will love and accept you just as you are, but he refuses to leave you there. Right? He doesn't just love me in my mess. He loves me in my mess and will pull me out of my mess because he knows I can live better than that, right? Yep. Amen. So, so I believe this, the reason why we're here today, the reason why this house is here, the reason why we're talking about home for four weeks is because I believe God is calling us to love more, to accept more, to pursue Christ more, to dig deeper, to become better, to pray harder, to do what's right in the face of adversity. I believe that's what we're called to do. All right, Ray, everybody feels the same way. (laughs) That's what this house is for. So I want to dive in today, and and I want to cite something that Pastor Scott talked about last week. Remember, he he was talking about acceptance. He told the story about the woman, if you were here, uh, uh, that was caught in the act of adultery. There's a lot of things you can unpack there, but basically she was caught having an affair with someone, and they brought her to Jesus as she was a mess, I don't even know, you, you study scripture, you study scholars, some people say she was there completely naked, some people said she had something covering her, I don't know, but she was humiliated and shamed in front of everyone. And so the whole thing un- unfolded, and, and the thing that, that I want us to, to wrap our head around today is Jesus said, hey, after he said, anyone that hears this without sin, let him throw the first stone. The law says you can stone her, but I want a sinless person to do the stoning. Well, everybody leaves, obviously, because no one's sinless. And so Jesus then says, hey, where are your, where are your condemners? Where are the people that are here to get you? And she said, they're, they're not here. He's like, then I don't condemn you either. But that's not where he stopped, was it? He said one statement in John 8, 11. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and don't do the same things that got you here. Go now and change who you are. And I don't know, maybe, you know, some of us, uh, we need a catalyst in our life to change us, right? We need to get run over by a Mack truck and realize, you know what, I probably shouldn't do that again. Some of us are slow learners when it I'm one of those hard-headed kind, right? I can't grow hair for that reason. We're hard-headed, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of funny things to say there. But anyway, um, but that, that moment so significantly changed her life, I would venture to say that it changed the complete course of her life after that. You don't go through an experience like that and be the same. You just don't. So, so that's kind of the, the, the angle that we're going in today. But then I want to I unpack a story. I like this story. It's the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you know the story of Zacchaeus? It's okay if there's only my hand up. That's fine. <laughs> Most of you know the story of Zacchaeus. It's a, it's a, it's a story when Jesus was, uh, was on the earth and, and he was doing his thing, teaching and preaching. Zacchaeus was a character that we're going to unpack this. It's an awesome story, actually. And so we're going to walk through in Luke chapter 19. I like how Luke writes the story. And this is how it goes. Jesus entered into Jericho and was passing through. He was, he was heading somewhere. And there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So just to give you, I'm going to walk you through this story to help you understand some cultural context so you kind of get the dynamics of what's at play. It's not just a story of Zacchaeus and a tree sees Jesus and everything's fine. There's so much more to it. In those days, the Romans would, would franchise out tax collection agencies. Nice gig, I guess. Um, and, and it's much like our tax code today. There were no rules. 
<laughs> so basically, the tax collector, if he was a, if he was a shyster, he would just tell you you owe some taxes, and you just kind of had to pay them. And whether you, you couldn't prove it or you, you, you could argue with him, but they had a lot of local authority in the fact that if, if, if they just decided that, you know, Stan, you owe me a, a thousand bucks this year and you're not going to give it to me, well, I'm just going to put you in jail. I mean, it's simple, easy, right? So they were, they were hated, obviously, because nobody likes April 15th here, right? They sure didn't like it there because there was at least, some, there is at least some level of, of legality with our our tax system back back there there was just it was arbitrary and so people didn't like Zacchaeus they didn't like him because he was collaborating with the Romans which they hated they were heathens and they were despicable and awful humans and they didn't like him and then he decided not just to collaborate with the Romans but he was going to take money from you I mean nobody likes that right I don't know why you would pick that kind of uh, uh, career path unless you just liked money because you lost all your friends so this is who Zacchaeus was. And so he wanted to see Jesus, but he was short. He was vertically challenged. So he wanted to see Jesus. Jesus always traveled with the crowd, people listening to him, talking to him, hearing what he had to say. So, so, uh, so he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore fig tree so that he could see Jesus when he was coming his way. And so when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So I... Obviously, the Bible can't catch every detail, but I find there's so much, so much irony in this unpacking of this story because Jesus is surrounded by so many Jewish people, so many people of that day that we could have talked about or written about. But no, he, he walks up, Zacchaeus is in a tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, I need you to come down. I'm going to your house. So you got to understand that the, the significant thing about this, and, and this is a perfect example, is nobody meets Jesus without a moment where they have to make a decision. When you come in contact with Jesus, you're suddenly faced with a moment of decision. Do I accept it? Do I run from it? Do I embrace it? I, Jesus just brings that dynamic because he's God. So when we encounter him in our life, we are faced with a decision, and it just happens. And so Zacchaeus says, fine, you know, I'll come down. He comes down gladly, the Bible says. And, and then here's where it gets a little hairy, right? All the people saw this and begin to mutter. <laughs> he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. Now, I don't know, it's been well over 2,000 years. We're bumping 3,000 years since that happened. How many, of you, how, how many of you know that that dynamic of people muttering hasn't changed a bit? It's only gotten better or worse because now you can post it everywhere, right? The muttering like goes viral, right? The moment you say, you know what? I'm going to go to church. There's 50 people around you like, yeah, that's going to last a whole Sunday, right? And the muttering starts. No one, you, you, they're not going to change. You know, they're, they're going to they're turn their life around. You know, how many leaves have they turned over? They're running out of trees, right? <laughs> It's just, it's not going to happen. You know, the muttering starts and everybody thinks they know you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have the willpower enough. You, all those things. And you got to understand that, that when Jesus said, Zach, has come down. I'm going to your house. I'm going to hang with you for a while. Everybody around Jesus was having a problem with this. They considered Jesus, they called him rabbi. When in their culture, that was teacher. That was someone that was wise, that knew the scripture. And this scripture dude is about to go hang with a sinner dude. And that's not allowed. It's frowned upon. And, and a meal shared in those days was not like 
us running to McDonald's and grabbing a Big Mac and off we go. A meal shared in those days was, was, uh, was an establishment of a, a relational covenant. If I invited you to my house and I brought you to my dinner table, my servant would wash your feet, you would be welcomed as a guest and I would, we would develop, we would have a covenant relationship from that point forward because we were building something. And so when, when they said that, when Jesus said, I'm going to have dinner with this guy, everybody around him was like, I don't understand this. Why is this holy man uh, wanting to build this covenant relationship with a sinner man? Oh, come on, somebody. Isn't that exactly who we are? Aren't we exactly right there? Aren't you glad that he decided to have dinner with a sinner man? Right? Because if he didn't, we wouldn't be here. So he's already demonstrating this different kind of love that you and I and that culture that day just didn't, couldn't quite understand, couldn't wrap their head around. And Jesus is demonstrating this love and acceptance well, way beyond what the mind could understand and what that culture could grab. So in, in, chapter, in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said, this is after he's come to his house, they've had dinner. Zacchaeus stands up in front of everybody there and says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. All right, so let me help you understand this. So in Jewish culture, if, if, if I borrowed your donkey to plow my field and that donkey died, I would have to replace it. But technically, I would have to replace it four times its value, depending on the type of offense, depending on the type of uh, situation that I needed to kind of make restitution for. So that was how... In their, in their law, in their construct, that's how you made it right. That's how you made amends. The beauty of this, here's another layer that you peel back. The beauty of this is when, when Zacchaeus stood up to make this proclamation, he had already received forgiveness and restitution. This was now not an act to earn forgiveness because Jesus had already given it to him. This was now an act of gratitude. Man, this was way ahead of its time. This was way out in front. This is where we live today. We get to come to Christ broken, messed up, shattered, no way to fix our mess, no way to pay back everything we've done wrong. He accepts us right there, and then from there should come a heart filled with gratitude that begins to give out because we've been given to. Does that make sense? Right, so Zacchaeus stands up. Nobody prompts him to. Jesus doesn't say, okay, here's the deal. I'll do this if you do that. No, none of that happens. He just stands up and says, you know what? I've wronged a lot of people. I'm not going to try to deny it. You know what? I'm going to give back money to people that, that I have wronged four times as much. So imagine, Stan, imagine. Past few years, I've been ripping you off. And I knock on your door like, great, Zacchaeus is here. What now? Stand here. Here's a few mil, right? <laughs> Catch you outside. How about that, right? <laughs> right? So all of a sudden, everything changes in this community. Everything is changing. The dynamics are completely upside down. And so Jesus stands up, and this is powerful. Jesus stands up and said, today salvation has come to this house. Watch this. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. You and me, that's just words on a page. Doesn't matter much. Doesn't matter much. In that culture, the thing that separated the Jewish community from everybody around them was they were the sons of Abraham. All the males had been circumcised because that was the covenant God made with Abraham. And so I was a son of Abraham. If you were not, I could mistreat you. I could reject you. I could disown you. I could have nothing to do with you. And the law supported me. Jesus stands up in front of everybody. 
Everybody hates Zacchaeus. Everybody hates Zacchaeus' family. Everybody hates his kids. Everybody hates his grandkids. Everybody hates everything to do with him. And Jesus stands up, puts his arm around Zacchaeus and says, today, salvation is coming. This guy is also a son of Abraham. Mic drop, walk out, everybody's mouth hanging open. Right? Jesus knew how to do it. Because what happened here is you got a guy who was disowned from his community, pushed aside because of his career path and because of his dishonesty, and he was marginalized. He had no identity apart from where he was trying to find himself. And God speaks out over him publicly that this is one of my kids, just like everybody else around here who thinks you're one of my kids. Life-changing moment, right? But there's a challenge attached to this. We wrap it up in verse 10. He says, For the Son of Man, Jesus speaking here, came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is reiterating. After all that transpires, people didn't understand him, but he's speaking this word. It makes sense to us today. He was letting everybody know he had just fulfilled one of the parts of his mission while he was on this earth. He just demonstrated what it's going to look like for salvation to happen. He just demonstrated what it looks like to take someone that's a sinner and bring them back into sonship. He demonstrated what it looks like for forgiveness to override sin and, and, and wrongdoing. He demonstrated it all. And then he confirmed it by saying, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in case you're taking notes. So the reason why we focus here on this home series is because this house must be a place with open hands and open hearts. This has to be a home where people that are not like us are accepted and loved. People that maybe don't vote like you vote are welcome and accepted here. People that have a different way of doing things are accepted here. You know what? I've got plenty of Bible to support why I shouldn't associate with sinners. But there's also plenty of Jesus speak in that same book that says, get past yourself, mister, and love people because they need it. So we got to figure this out. This is a place where we're supposed to live out his mission. And if he identified clearly in this story of Zacchaeus what his mission was, how can this house be any different? Maybe we should name the name of our church Zacchaeus's house, right? It shouldn't be any different. This should be a place of openness and welcoming. And let me tell you something. Having a home like that will challenge you. Having a home like that will challenge you. Through love and acceptance, people will come in and we'll walk them through the journey. How many of you know the journey? Four simple steps. Help them find Jesus, right? To know Jesus and help them find freedom and help them discover their purpose and help them make a difference in their world. That's the journey that we're all on. And if we create a home environment that's welcoming, it's warm, it's accepting, we'll walk people through that journey and their lives will change because nobody meets Jesus and their life doesn't change. It's just how it works, but it takes commitment, it takes discipline, it takes a challenge, and the challenge isn't always easy. How many of you know that it's not easy following Jesus? It's just not. It's just not, because so many of what he teaches, so many things of what he teaches us is contrary to the easy path, right? It's just not the easy button. It's just not. So Paul, Paul writes in Hebrews, this is a pretty neat chapter here, uh, where Paul writes to, to the Hebrews, and he's writing this to the Christian Jews that live in Jerusalem. So the reason why he's writing to them is because they're struggling, right? Because the Jewish community was not happy with Jesus' followers. You know, because it was rocking their whole world. It was changing everything. 
And so there was a lot of contention. There was a lot of frustration. The, the Jewish Christians or the, in, in Jerusalem were struggling. And so in Hebrews, Paul writes this. I'm reading out of the Message Bible, so it's a little bit different, but, but just follow me. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So I know you're having a hard time, but just let's put this in perspective. Remember what our Savior did for us, and let's start from there. He says, don't feel sorry for yourselves, or have you forgotten how good parents treat children, and that God regards you as his children? Change of dynamic here. Change of dynamic. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. Don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. It's the child he embraces he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble uh, that you're in isn't punishment. It's training. This challenge to be a Christ follower in a world that's contrary to what he stands for, it's, not, it's, it's a challenge. It's not punishment. It's training us to be the people God called us to be. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It's always, it always feels like it's going against the grain. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. As a home or a family, we're called to help each other grow. If I'm not helping my wife grow, I'm not being a good husband. If she's not helping me grow, she's not being a great wife. If we as parents are not helping our children grow, we're not being good parents. That's what he's talking about here. And God is viewing us in that same capacity. The reason why we started Rooted Small Groups, can I get a hoop for Rooted Small Groups, right? <laughs> Kicked off Monday. It was amazing. And it's going to be going on for the next 10 weeks. I'm so excited about Rooted Small Groups. So this is going to be amazing. But the reason why we did that is because it builds stronger communities. It builds unity amongst the community. It creates a bond that's more than just, yeah, I go to church with that guy. I don't know what his name is, but I go to church with him, right? It kind of takes you to the next level. At least you can say, I go to church with John, right? <laughs> Builds a stronger foundation in our faith with Christ. It helps us accept the challenge to grow in Christ. Let me say this. Coming to Christ is not the end game. That is just the step into the door. That is just the beginning. And, 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 you know, maybe you're questioning why I would say it's hard to, to, to live for Christ and hard to be a Christ follower. It's not hard in a negative sense. It's hard, and it's hard to be better. It's hard to grow. I mean, if you're going to achieve something and, and put a star beside your name as achieving something, you have to work to get there, right? Because we just tend to take the easy path, and God's saying there's something better than that. So I want to take you to Proverbs chapter 27 and kind of break this down a little bit more. Wrapping things up here, moving quickly. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You're coming to me. I'll accept you as you are. I'll love you through anything. But let's walk together. Let's get you better. Let's get rid of those vices that seem to be controlling you. How about it? How about you grab my arm and how about we walk this journey out, right? It's not fix yourself and come back, talk to me later. No, it's come in your mess, but let's link up and let's get you out of this mess. 
which means you're going to have to have something rubbing on you, something chafing you a little bit. As iron sharpens iron, so does another person sharpen another person. So does a message like this kind of rub a little bit. But you like, I wish he was talking to the guy behind me, but I kind of feel like he's talking to me, right? These messages are not easy to deal with. I have to sit in front of my computer screen and get it first, right? I get all the chafing before you guys get it, right? Because I know I've got to get better. I've got to grow. So iron sharpens iron. So watch this. Already get your earplugs. I'm going to show you something. How many of you know, maybe you've never sharpened an axe. Have you sharp, who's sharpened an axe? Oh, there's a few people sharpening an axe. So, so it's going to make a little noise, but watch this. Hold on. So, you know, I don't want to love people like Christ loves people. I don't want to work on my marriage because the Bible says I'm supposed to be an honorable man. It's easier just to walk away, right? But iron sharpens iron, so I'm going to do it anyway. And every time, every time I'm trying to do what Christ is calling me to do, something on me is getting burned off. I mean, if the axe could talk, it would probably say, dude, I'm fine being dull. Just leave me alone. Let me come. Y'all hearing this? This is what Zacchaeus did. This is what Jesus did to Zacchaeus. The reason why Jesus picked him out of a tree and said, I'm going to your house, is because he knew he had a blunt instrument up there that had no hope, that had no option. He was rejected from his community. He had found a niche that was not a great niche to find. And Jesus said, you know what, Zacchaeus, come come down. I'm going to your house. We're going to have dinner. We're going to have a covenant well before you deserve it. (laughs) You're going to have a covenant well before. Before you deserve it. He said the same thing to every one of us in this room. And the reason why we, this community, have to create a home is because there are people that drive by this corner that don't know that there's a seat at this table for them. They don't know that... I don't know about that church stuff. That's because they're looking at it from the completely wrong direction. Have you ever asked anyone, hey, would you like to come to church with me? And they say, you know what? I'm just not really sure if I'm okay with someone loving me in my mess. I'm just really not sure if forgiveness for my sins is really a good thing or not. I'm, I'm really not okay with, you know, Christ dying for me. No, that's not what they say, is it? I don't know about that religious stuff. You know, I just, there's rules, there's ways of doing things, there's, I don't know, I just, I'm not a church guy. No one ever says I'm, I don't think I've ever met anyone that says, you know what, I just, I, I don't do unconditional love. I just, I just don't do it. <laughs> what kind of Jesus are we? Where people look at us and say, I don't know what it is you do, but I just want some of that, whatever that is. Whatever shingle you hang out front and say what, I just want that. That's because when Jesus gets a hold of us and we, let, we accept the challenge of letting him change us, it changes everything about our life. Yes, we still wake up in the mirror. Yes, we still walk in the bathroom and we knock ourselves out with our morning breath. It still happens. But something in us is slowly changing. And every time we hit the grinder and we're burning off an edge, it may be uncomfortable 
but I'm growing into something better. Someone made this quote. Jesus came to transform people, not indulge them. Christianity is about surrender, not comfort. We are to align ourselves to his standard, not the other way around. Right? You know, Jesus accepted me with all of my issues, and so Jesus has now got all the same issues I've got. <laughs> That's not how that works. He accepted me with all my issues, but he said, you know what? I'm going to help you work through. And you know what? It's not going to be instant. You may live your entire life holding on to his hand, stumbling, falling, getting the grinder out, doing a little better, making another mistake, improving a little bit more, but loving, and loving through it all. Jesus doesn't reject you, doesn't turn away from you. There's always a seat at his table in his home, which this is an extension of. This will change your life. This message will change your life. All, all, all I'm asking, all I'm saying, all that this message is really about is we'll take his love, we'll take his acceptance, but can I get somebody just to accept the challenge? Can, you, can I get somebody that says, you know what? It's easier to, to live this way, but, but it's not the right way. It's easier to kind of blend into the crowd and just be a person but that's not what God called us to do. He called us to be change agents. He, called, he, he, he references us as a city that's set on a hill with lights so people out there could find a place to go to. That's, what he, that's how he described us. So the challenge that we're accepting is not one of drudgery. The challenge we're accepting is one that pays off in dividends every single day. So, yes, I have to take my nose to the grindstone a little bit. You know what? I'm going to be a better person on the other side of it. So, yeah, I'm not the angry person anymore. I forgive a little easier. So, so, so yeah, I'm not the guy that, that loses his temper so much that nobody can stand me. I, I'm, I'm more tolerant. So, so, yes, I'm the guy that, that loves people that don't really deserve to be loved. I'm, that's, there's worse things to be in life. I'm the guy that... that, that realizes that Jesus loved me in my mess, who am I to turn my back on someone whose mess I've identified as worse than mine? Right? Like, I don't understand some things in life. I don't understand how people do some things they do. But I do know that Christ died for everyone. And he said, he said, whosoever will. He said, anyone can come. And this place... It's got to be a home for the anyone's and the whosoever wills. I mean, it accepted you, right? That'll be next week. <laughs> so what's your next step? What's your next step? What do I do next? Maybe you've never repented of your sins. Maybe you've never, maybe you've never had a personal encounter with Jesus, but today you are. Today he's standing under your tree and he's saying, hey, yo, how about let's go have dinner? Right? It's changing. You're faced with a moment now of a decision, and I'm asking you. Our prayer team's going to come in a few minutes, and the reason why we stand up here every Sunday morning and look at you and you look at us and we have that awkward moment is because somebody in that awkward moment is going to say, you know what, I just want to know Jesus. And, man, that's the best Sunday morning we could ever have. We want you to find Jesus because when you know Christ, your life changes. It changes. Maybe your next step is baptism. Next Sunday... 
is Baptism Sunday. I'm telling you, if you've never experienced a Baptism Sunday at Life Center, you've just not experienced the Baptism Sunday at Life Center. It's fantastic. It is wonderful. And the reason why it's wonderful is because it's a next step for somebody on this journey. It's a next step for someone that wants to know Christ in a way they've never known before. It's a next step in someone being born again. It's the next step in their spiritual growth. And everybody in this room, in this home, is happy, right? When you're sitting around the dinner table and your kid says, I got a promotion at work today. Do you throw your plate and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. No, somebody at the table is happy, right? They come home and said, you know, I got accepted into school, whatever. I'm excited, I'm happy because my family just got a blessing. Right? That's what's happening here. This is home. Somebody else is getting part of this home, becoming part of this family. Somebody's happy. So next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. That was a promotional announcement. How did I do? But wait, there's more. I just want to explain something here. Very simple. We often get asked if we baptize infants. And we don't do that. And we don't do that because we believe that baptism is a personal decision. And an infant, last time I checked, only has two things they worry about, food and a clean diaper, right? So they're not making decisions, but parents are making decisions for them. So what I'm simply saying is, if that has happened in your past and you've never made this decision for yourself, I'm asking you to pray about it because it's time for you to make your decision. Not that that's something wrong with what happened to you in the past. We're talking where we are right now and where we're going and why we don't do it that way here. We'll dedicate babies, you've seen them, we have them come up, we pray over them, that's the family just giving that baby right back to God and saying, help us raise this kid so they don't turn out like Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, we need God to help us with that stuff. So, so that's what's happening here. And if you've never been baptized, or maybe it's been so long ago you weren't really sure why you went in the water, I'm, in, I'm asking you now, if you're making a decision and this is your next step, be bold. Be bold. Zacchaeus said, you can come to my house in front of everybody. Let's go to my house, right? Let's go public with our faith. If you're going to profess to be a Christ follower, don't hide in the corner and try to be one. You can't. You've got to live it out. You've got to live it out. So next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. My wife is somewhere in the building. Where is she? She's right there. Just wave your hand. If you, we have a sign-up sheet online, but the quickest way is just to talk to her right after church. If, we, if you want to talk to the prayer team, we can answer any questions, help you through that. I'm encouraging you. If you've not been baptized, take the next step. Take the next step in your journey with Christ. No step with Him will ever result in a bad experience. I can promise you that. It will grow you. It will challenge you. It will make you better. Let's stand together today. And while you're standing, the prayer team's coming, but I'm asking everyone to close your eyes. Father, I am amazed at your grace. I am daily overwhelmed and amazed, God, by the way you love me. In spite of myself, you love me. You've accepted me when I should have been rejected. You've loved me when I should have been scorned and shunned and pushed away. You're working on us at Life Center, God, to create a home. To create a space that any creed, any race, any person... Famous people, unfamous people, happy people, sad people, popular people, rejected people, loved people, unloved people, clean people, dirty people, every kind of people. This is a place where they can find a seat at the table. And I ask God that you would help us 
to not only live that love and acceptance, God, but help us to step up to the challenge of letting you make us who you want us to be, crafting us in your image, shaping us, grinding away those things in us that are destructive and replacing it with full, life-giving, healthy elements that make us who you want us to be. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. If you're a guest, again, thank you for joining us. Stop by our VIP booth. We'd love to meet you and give you something for being here with us today. I pray that we take this challenge. God's changing us. God's changing our community. And I hear from different people that have visited us. Man, Life Center is just friendly. It's just a welcoming place. It's warm. We're going to make it even warmer. We're going to make it better, right? Because we want to be the catalyst to help someone get to know Christ for the first time. Amen. I hope you have an amazing week. God bless you. Just go out and love on people. Don't get in trouble. Just love on people the right way. All right. God bless you. Have a great week.